So let's go ahead and take our Bibles and let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be looking at the name of the, the message tonight is the quiet disciple. Quiet disciple. Let's take a look at this. So in Matthew chapter 10 and in verse 1, we'll start reading there. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That's pretty amazing. Let's look in verse 2. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. That's such an incredible passage there. But we continue. Verse 9, Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it, not, if it not, uh, be not worthy, let your peace return to you. This is very interesting here in verse 14. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What we're going to do is we're going to look at a certain disciple here, a quiet disciple tonight. We're going to focus on this. I wanted to say something. though. I was studying over this and reading over this in preparation. And I thought this is so interesting because we have the names of the disciples. And then God, Jesus gives them their charge. This is what I want you to do. So he sends them out and we look at this. Let's look in verse 6. This has nothing to do. I just think this is really cool. So I'm going to highlight this real quick. But, rather, but go rather to the lost sheep of, uh, of the house of Israel. And then in verse 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. And we see that, and that fits perfectly with the image of modern Jesus. You think about it. Jesus says, Go heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Do all of these things. Yes, Jesus, love, grace, mercy, kindness, absolutely. But then Jesus goes on. And this is a merciful Jesus who down in 14 says, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. And then he ends it. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah my goodness, in the day of judgment than that city. Isn't that interesting? Wait a minute, did that come from Jesus? 
Because we think of Jesus, we think of this person, oh, he's kind. You have the kids who come on his lap. But there is absolutely, Jesus talks about how important it is not to reject truth. Why is it that Jesus spoke so harshly, in our standards, to the, um, to the Pharisees? Because they knew better. And they took the scripture and they twisted it. And they took truth and they changed it. And he called that out. So Jesus shows mercy, grace, love, and kindness. Um, but also here when it says that there's going to be, it's going to be more tolerable for, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that city. What did Sodom and Gomorrah get? Annihilation. Okay, so when I think of what's more tolerable than annihilation? Probably eternal damnation. Probably hell is probably worse than, worse than being annihilated from uh, the face of the earth here. So it's someone who rejects truth. Uh, 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 talked about a, a house here, a city. Christ says to reject truth is to accept eternal hell. So, and we have to remember too, whenever we think about Jesus, all the stuff he did, the kindness, we, we, a lot of times we focus on that and absolutely we are to have grace. Absolutely we are to focus on that. But don't forget who's coming back in Revelation. Who's going to be the, the judge who comes back and passes judgment? That's going to be Jesus. So that has nothing to do with that. I just thought I'd add it in. I'm reading this. I'm like, that's incredible. You go through all of this stuff. Then you get to the end there and it's like, oh my goodness, Sodom and Gomorrah took like that. Only thing more judgmental than that was probably the flood, you know, when everyone got wiped out except for Noah and his family. But I just think that's interesting that Jesus himself says that. And then he goes on here. All right. So what we're doing is Christ is speaking to an incredible group of men here. OK, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas Iscariot. He's talking to an incredible group here. When we look at these 12 men, it gives us an idea of the type of people that God chooses to work for him. And it's really humbling whenever you stop to look at that. He uses strong, dynamic, bold leaders like Peter who take the charge, take charge, they initiate, they strategize, and they confront. They also put their foot in their mouth many times. We see that over and over and over again with Peter. He uses humble, gentle souls like Andrew, quietly seeking no prominence but to bring people to Christ behind the scenes. He uses zealous, passionate, ambitious uncompromising, task-oriented people like James, who would wind up as being one of the earliest martyrs. He uses loving, sensitive, people-oriented, believing, trusting, truth-seekers like John. He uses skeptical, analytical, slow to believe, visionless, pessimistic people like Philip and Thomas. He uses a man with prejudice in his heart, but is also honest and open and clear-minded like Nathaniel. He'll use an outcast. He'll use an extortionist, a tax collector, a traitor, considered by many to be the most hated man in his entire society, like Matthew. We get a picture of all these. You're talking about diversity now. This God, Literally, Jesus chooses all of these people from all these different walks of life. And all they have to do is they have to want to follow him. He uses sinners who seek forgiveness and in turn... He will change them into meek and humble men who reach everyone, including the riffraff of society, for Christ. And they have great faith in Christ. I think it's interesting when we look at Jesus 
in, in this day and age, we say just, you'll see this in, from cartoons to movies and some of that, you just need to be yourself, you know? Just be yourself, man. You just do your thing. Don't let anybody tell you. And you see these things and it's always the child who, who is really, they're just suppressed by the parent and the parent doesn't understand. And it's something that's pushed to the kids over and over and over again. But what we do is when we look at Jesus, we see someone who changed every person he comes in contact with. Like even the people who didn't believe in Jesus were in a way changed by him. Okay, so Jesus, our... Coming in contact with Jesus changes the human being. So in the New Testament, though, we're going to focus on one person here. We see three different men around Christ that bear the same name, and that is the name of James. James, the brother of John, James, the half-brother of Christ, and then James, the son of Alphaeus. James, the brother of John, is mentioned here 19 times in the Bible, spanning four books. John, the apostle, is mentioned 42 times, spanning six books. James, the half-brother of Christ, is mentioned 11 times, spanning seven books. James, the son of Alphaeus, is mentioned by name five times in the entire Bible. It just gives us his name. That's all it does. Now, I think it would be pretty cool to be in the Bible. Yeah, my name's in the Bible, absolutely. But if I was a follower of Christ, like what, what else did I do beyond that, you know, when you think about that? Let's take our Bibles here real quick, and let's turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And then put your finger there in Hebrews chapter 11. OK, so imagine if you were on Christian Family Feud, the game show. You know what that is. Everyone here knows what game shows are. The kids today might not know what game shows are, but we do. All right. And they were to say, name quickly, name one of the 12 disciples. What's going to pop into your head? Probably Peter. Maybe James or John. Certainly not James, the son of Alphaeus. No, no one's going to do that. that or Bartholomew. Something. They're sort of going to skip over. He's really not the who-who, the who's-who of, um, of the disciples. He wasn't the loudest here. We think about who he was. Who was James, the son of Alphaeus? Now, some scholars and historians have theorized that he could have been Matthew's brother because they're both called the son of Alphaeus. But that doesn't seem likely because whenever we look at um, there in Matthew, when we look at the names mentioned, the brothers are always mentioned together and it notes that they are brothers, even though their father both was called Alphaeus. So uh, that seems unlikely because I believe it would have mentioned that they were brothers if they were indeed brothers. We see that with Peter and Andrew and James and John. There's also speculation, we're not going to get into it now, but there's speculation that James, the son of Alphaeus, could have been um, Jesus's uh, cousin because they believe, some people say that uh, Cleophas and Alphaeus is the same person, you know, and all that. We're not going to get into that. But we don't get a lot, we don't know a lot about him. Okay, the Bible doesn't give us anything specific. But what did he do? Sometimes we don't know a lot about someone, but we see what they do. Uh, here, we see that the Bible also doesn't give us anything about him that he does. He's just there. Think about the miracles that God did, that Jesus did. James, the son of Alphaeus, is just there. And that's it. It's like, wow, okay, well, do you have anything else to add? Well, no, really, not anything else to add. It's just his name, and it's a common name. So you can imagine James, the son of Alphaeus, he probably suffered a little bit. Have you ever had someone, have you ever been with someone, maybe it was a sibling or a cousin or a friend, and you're a little more quiet, and they're always really loud. 
and they sort of steal the show. They sort of take over. We've all been around that. If you've been a kid, you've known the, the loud kid in class and other stuff like that. I think here with James, probably James suffered a little bit because the son of Zebedee was called the son of thunder. Okay, so you're James. You have another guy who's called James as well. You're not very interesting, apparently. This guy is called the son of thunder. So he's always piping off. He's very, very loud. And he's letting God know, hey, please destroy that city over there because they didn't, you know, or are we going to be allowed to sit by you like his mother was saying? So he's a lightning rod type of guy. And then there's James, the brother, the half brother of our Lord. And then there was James, the son of Alphaeus. The son of Alphaeus never wrote anything. He never said anything that was recorded. He never asked anything. He never did anything that was recorded of him specifically in the Bible. In fact, keep your finger there in, um, keep your finger there in Hebrews. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 15. Let's look at Mark chapter 15 real quick. Mark chapter 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 15. I don't have it noted out here, so I'm going to turn myself. Mark chapter 15, and then let's take a look here in verse 40. Mark chapter 15 and in verse 40. And there were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the less, and of Joseph and Salome. Okay, so that is who James, the son of Alphaeus, is. And we're not going to go through all that right now, but that's who he is. James the less. He was literally called James the Less. You know what uh, less means? Small. It's where we get the word micros from. Okay, so uh, micro from. It's the word micros. We get micro from that. So he was a little James. Does anyone want to guess who big James was? Probably the son of thunder. He was probably the larger one. It wouldn't make sense for little James to be called little James if he was bigger than him. Perhaps... Uh, uh, it could have been that way. I, I was thinking like little John. Maybe there's like a play on the words. Maybe he was a giant, you know. Anyways, we're not going to do that. That's not scriptural at all. So we're going to move on. So it could mean that he was little. It could also mean that he was young. If you study the word there, it could also mean that he was not very influential. But when you think about it, it really could have meant sort of all three of those things. James, the son of Alphaeus, James, the less, could have been smaller. He could have been younger. In age, and he also could have been less influential as everyone else. You can imagine that considering that we don't read a lot about him in the scripture. He wasn't saying a lot of stuff. He didn't have a lot of influence. Probably he would have been known, had he had influence, probably he would have been known as Bold James. If he was tall in stature, he would probably be known as Big James. So you think about this. This is a small, little, young fellow who didn't have a particular powerful personality. Isn't it encouraging when we look at this information that we don't know about James and we gather a thought from this? We don't have information, but the thought that we gather from this is that God does not depend on superstars. He doesn't depend on the loudest person. You know, isn't that great? Isn't it amazing how God uses all these different people. I'll hear people over time say, well, you know what, if only so-and-so, I've heard this several times, if only so-and-so, this person, if only they would give their life to God, think what they could do. They're so talented. And I was actually talking to um, uh, our pastor about that on the way back from the meeting in Wyoming. I said, it's almost like talent is a curse. 
It's almost like someone who is talented. I can do this naturally. Now I can just coast and I don't have to put anything into that. And I've known more people who have fallen by the wayside that are talented than I have people who are faithful and did, weren't deemed as talented. So faithfulness obviously is the, the number one thing here. So we have to be careful here. We don't, we don't know a lot about James, the son of Alphaeus, but we do know that he followed Christ. Um, we have to be honest with ourselves. The reality is, is that the kingdom of heaven is not going to advance any faster because one talented person is leading the charge. God is looking for faithful people to do this. And we know that James will be leading and judging in the millennial kingdom with Christ. We know about that, <clears throat> but we don't know much about him. Let me ask you a question. Can you think of a person who has had, just imagine in your mind, think of someone in your mind who has had profound, a profound spiritual influence on your life. You can all imagine that person. Someone who helped me. Maybe they're still alive. Maybe they're not. But someone who helped me. Someone who did not need to be recognized for the work <clears throat> excuse me, that they were still doing. Someone who wasn't perfect, but was faithful. My goodness. That's what we need in this world. None of us are perfect, but man, we need faithful people. Someone who will never be famous. A book will never be written in their honor. You'll never have a book written about James, the son of Alphaeus. There's not enough information. In fact, you're lucky you're even getting a sermon tonight on him because it's not easy to write about a man who we just get his name in the Bible. You know, when you think about that, there's not a lot, but the person here was faithful. Think about someone in your own life who's like that. Perhaps they're gone. Perhaps that influential person in your life, no one speaks their name anymore. Have you thought about that? You think about them. You hold them in your heart, but no one really talks about them anymore. But their quiet faithfulness impacted you and changed your life. I think it's pretty amazing that Jesus included someone in his party that is so obscure that we really don't know anything about. He chose this guy who's a loudmouth, who got in trouble a lot of time, but had great faith. I mean, Peter was the one who got out of the boat when no one else did and all this. We, he chooses that. He chooses guys with tempers. He chooses people who are bigots. He chooses people who are, are swindlers and scoundrels. Chooses all of these people. And then he chooses someone. We have this guy. Well, what about James the Less? What about him? We don't know anything about him. Oh, okay. Well, that's it. Well, maybe that's the point. I have no idea. But God didn't feel the need to tell us so much about him. His work and his personality are a mystery. Peter appears a lot. A lot of times it's negative. James never appears really at all in the scripture. And maybe it's because James was James the less. Maybe it's because he was on target every time. Maybe he was just faithful and did what was supposed to be done and he didn't rock the boat. And the squeaky wheel gets the oil oftentimes. And maybe he was just faithful in doing what he was supposed to do every single time. No lesson is taught from him. God did not use him as an example like he did so many of the other um, disciples. It's interesting uh, when you think about that. There is one historical tradition that we hear about him. And that is the early church historians say that he preached in Persia. That he went up to Persia uh, around 60 A.D. Persia is ancient um, Iran. 
He took the gospel of Jesus Christ to the land, but they refused to hear him preach. And he kept preaching. They told him to leave. He didn't. He kept preaching. So they stoned him to death. Such a horrible, horrible way to die. But he preached the gospel boldly, and he paid for it with his life, with his own blood. James the Less going all the way up there and dying for what he believed in. If he was a quiet guy who just wanted to sit behind the scenes and don't do anything, I don't think he would have gone to ancient Iran. How would you like to go to ancient Iran? I'm telling you. Let's, like, let's go into the heart of ISIS country right now and preach the gospel. That's what it was like back then, but probably even worse. So he goes up there and is stoned for that. It makes me wonder what the world would be like today if Iran had listened to James the Less, you know. Listen to the gospel. Maybe they wouldn't be in the trouble that they are right now. The Lord uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. They're also known as unknown soldiers. We even have cemeteries designated to unknown soldiers. We don't know a lot about them. We don't know anything about them. But we know that they did incredible things for our country. So what does God think about the silent unknown soldiers? Let's look in Hebrews chapter 11 here. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to jump over there. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, let's look in verse 32. Verse 32. I'm coming to the end, folks. Hey, hang on. This isn't a long one. We're not going 15 over. All right, we're, we're cruising through this. We're going to just take it easy. I'm going to, when I'm done with this, I'm done. Here we go. Hebrews 11 and verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Are any of those men in there perfect? No. They had a lot of flaws. But the faithfulness that they showed is recorded here. Let's look at verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. And then it starts to go through here and it starts to tell us things that happened that were not, that have not been uh, assigned to a person, but to the unknown soldiers. Let's look here in verse 34. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom, oh my goodness, what a verse, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all have obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us, should not be made perfect. That's what God thinks of the unnamed soldier. The person who is not the, the celebrity. Uh, uh, our pastor just sent me an article on the celebrity Christian. Very, very powerful article about this is not something 
the, uh, someone seeking their own gain, their own glory, that's not something that just needs to be fixed. That's an eye that needs to be taken out. It literally needs to be taken and cast away because it's such a blot on Christianity today. People heaping praise upon themselves. None of these people here in our passage here from 33 on down to 40 heaped praise on themselves. They were just faithful. We don't have names with them, but we see what they did. James, what James did is not recorded in the scripture. How James lived is recorded in heaven. We believe that he was stoned. That was mentioned there in Hebrews 11:37. Jesus chose, think about this as we close. Jesus chose a silent vessel to walk with him daily. He only chose 12. He even chose a, a traitor in Judas Iscariot, and he even called him friend, okay? So Jesus chose all across the spectrum, and this guy over here doesn't say much, and he's James the, James the Micros. He's smaller, and he's not very influential, and he's quiet. But James, you come with me. Why did Jesus choose James to follow him and then not tell us anything about him? That's a crazy thought, because when you read a book or you watch a movie or you do something like that in a play, each character has a role that they play. And you sort of figure out what their role is or what part do they show. We don't ever get that with James. What we see is he was just faithful. He was just there. And sometimes the parts that we play and the, uh, the, the uh, journey that we go through and the path we go in life, all we're called to do is just be faithful. And we've talked about the older brother in times past with the, uh, the prodigal who said, no, no, I need my time, my time in the sun. He said, no, no, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about being faithful. OK, so that's what Christ chose here. He chose a silent vessel to walk with him daily, to eat with him, to laugh with him, to journey with him. We know nothing about James, the son of Alphaeus, other than his name. Jesus still chose him. By man's standard, James was the lesser James of those mentioned here in the New Testament. But by Christ's standard, he was equal. He was the same. He was just like the 12 others who came with him. He gave them all an opportunity and all a chance. And then when James left and he followed the calling of Christ, he had the same fire, he had the same passion, he had the same conviction and zeal that the others had when preaching the gospel of Christ. And you cannot tell me that someone does not have zeal and passion when they lay down their life for what they know to be true. I've heard someone say one time, well, wait a minute, well, the disciples, how are they any different than, how are they any different than the other people, other false prophets or people who have died for, for name a false God? The difference was here is the disciples, they didn't go just to tell, this is what I know. They went to tell people, this is what I saw. He's alive. He is risen. They were going to tell people the Savior is alive. That's totally different. They could have been stoned for this back in Israel had it been a lie. They were spreading the gospel. And when you research that, it spread like wildfire. The gospel because of these men, men like James. James had the same fire and compassion when preaching the gospel of Christ. He died telling lost souls about the love and the saving power of Jesus Christ his Savior. Can I end with this? Your personality has nothing to do with your ability to boldly speak the truth. 
your personality has nothing to do with your ability to boldly speak the truth. Well, I'm not a people person. Was James? <laughs> we don't know anything about him, but he got out and spread the gospel. People who are quiet, unassuming, some of those people are the greatest witnesses. You don't, you don't have to. It's not about people seeing. It's about doing what is right and being faithful. If you have the truth in Christ, share it. Come what may, it doesn't matter. Listen, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We've got a limited amount of time on this earth. I pray that regardless of whatever path God has me going down, whatever journey I am on, whatever stage of life I am on, that instead of going, well, what have I done that I can show people, that I'll look at my life and I will look at James the less and I'll go, here's a guy who is constant and faithful and true. But when push came to shove, he stood up for what was right. I don't need people to shout my name, cheer my name. Oh, my goodness. What, what does he have to say about don't need that? I just need to be faithful to God, and so do we. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. James, the son of Alphaeus. Lord, you mentioned him by name in the scriptures only a few times, and we know nothing else about him. But, Father, we can see and understand that there was faithfulness there. Perhaps he didn't do anything, Lord, to cause rebuke. Certainly nothing noteworthy enough that it needed to be recorded. Father, but you gave us his name. And then the historians believe that he went to see you, Lord, because of he, he was stoned to death. A martyr in your name. I pray, Father, that you'll give us the boldness of James the less. Father, someone who was a silent vessel that you use. God, help us not to have any excuse or any reason to say, I cannot boldly speak the truth. They won't listen to me. No, I'm not, I, I want to fail my own expectations. Father, you took someone like James and you turned him into a mighty witness for you. I pray, Father, we'll look at that and not say we have to be like James, but we say, hey, even it's possible with James. Look what is possible with you. Father, change us for the better like you do so many other people. I pray, Lord, you'll bless us. Keep us safe this week. Give our pastor safety as he drives back. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.